I believe today that by the time we get finished, you're going to be able to pray really easy and really hit some targets. I, how, how many know Evan Sconewall down there and his, and his family used to go here the down there now? I was talking, I was talking, we had, we had lunch with Evan and Kimber and all the kids down there in San Diego, and they were talking about marksmanship and shooting guns, and he's talking about his dad and his family as hunters up in Washington, and he's a marksman for the Marines. He's talking about what, what they couldn't hit at 200 yards with a tripod, he could hit at 500 yards holding his rifle. He's been trained, and Joe's been trained now. And these guys, these guys can hit targets way down there a whole lot further than somebody else can that's doing it an easy way. And so we as Christians should be able to pray and hit targets more efficiently than sinners. We as Christians should be able to get prayers answered that people that know about God but don't know God can get. We ought to be able to get our prayers answered. So we're, that's what we want to do today. We want to make praying easy. And Jesus made praying easy. And so we want to see things today and know things today. So I know that for me personally, I've been praying for a long time. But I'll tell you what, I'm honing my skills every day. I'm working at it every day to be able to, to have, have more efficiency in what I do and hit my targets more accurately, more consistently all the time than before. I want to get sharper and sharper, and I know you do too. We want to be a sharpshooter in prayer, don't we? Amen. Amen. Well, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 5 through 8. I'm going to make a few comments on it. But Jesus said this concerning prayer. I'm reading out of King James, I'm going to say thou, but if you've got a modern translation, to say you. But thou or you says... When you pray, enter to your closet. That's your secret place. That's the place between you and God. And we're not, not talking so much about a physical place, although it can be sometimes, but it's a spiritual place. You go into a place that's your place where you and, you and Jesus hang out at. And when you've shut your door, pray to your Father which is in secret. And your Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That's called answer prayer. I'll tell you what, you, you show me a person that has a presence of God in their life, where God's showing up consistently in their life and doing things, where things are happening, I'm going to show you a person that lives in his prayer closet a lot and talks to God a lot in secret. So when he shows up in public, he doesn't have to say a lot because God shows up. And God does it. That's called open reward. And so it says, shall I reward thee openly? But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. And, you know, I, I just want to say something, just, just, just a comment. You don't need a prayer chain. You're not going to find prayer chains in the Bible. Prayer chains is people that have a very shallow, weak faith life with God where they think it's going to take a whole lot of people. If I can get 10,000 hits on this Facebook page for this person, God's going to move. Jesus said one person in their prayer closet. Talk to the Father about a situation that all they need is one hit. All they need to do is hit the target in heaven, talk to the Father, and says, don't be like the heathen who think much talk is going to get it done. Says, you talk to him, he'll get it done. Amen. Amen. I'm thinking about, thinking about Joe, just graduated from Marines, and Dr. Barclay, you know, is a Marines Marine, really, Marines Marine Marine. 
And Dr. Barclay still has a lot of contact with a lot of Marines and military people in high places and get some things done sometimes. He called Joe last night and gave Joe the hoorah, the simplify, and all the Marine stuff. And then he told Joe, he said, Joe, you're not only my brother in the Lord. He said, you're my brother Marine now. He said, if you're ever any place in the world or any place in America and you need some help quick, call me. He said, I'll move some things, get it done for you. And so praise God, that's what Jesus said about our Father. He said, if you're anywhere in the world and you need to contact heaven, my line's never busy, just call. Amen. Amen. said, your father which saith reward you openly, and don't think you have to do a bunch of talking like the heathen do. It says, uh, they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Be not you therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. He knows what we need before we even ask. And he's already got the answer before we ask. And so prayer is fellowshipping with the Father and with Jesus. Prayer is fellowshipping with the Father and with Jesus. And while we, while we was up here worshiping this morning, I got a picture of something I watched for the last three months. Every day at 6 o'clock in the morning, this mom was up at the kitchen table writing letters. And... My, my, my letter juice ran out after a while, but I wrote some letters. But Mrs. Mrs. Pastor wrote letters every day. Oh, I've got to get this mailbox before the mail lady comes. And so she wrote these letters with love, anointing, affection from home to a man, her son, that was on assignment. And every day after the mail lady come with tears in her eyes, she ran to the mailbox. Did we get a letter from Joe? Did we get a letter from Joe? Oh, no, I didn't get a letter from Joe. I want you to get this. Now, I'm going to say, the Lord gave me this up here while we was worshiping. The Father wrote us much letters of the Bible. Those are letters from home to his children on assignment on earth. How many know that Jesus said he came from the Father, he had a mission on earth to buy his family back with his life, and they said, I'm going to return to the Father, he's on a mission. Well, we're on a mission on earth, too. We're sons and daughters of God. We've got an assignment as ambassadors to share the love of God, take the power of God, take healing, delivers the victory to people. And God's given us letters. We can read them every day if we want to. Or I know that Joe, being very busy down there with the basic trade things he was going to, he said, he said I got stacks of letters. I hadn't been able to open them yet. I want to tell you what, there's too many soldiers of Christ that have stacks of Bibles that haven't even opened them yet. We can get so busy with life on our assignment, we forget to read the letters from home. And we read the letters from home, they're going to have love for us to tell us, no matter what's coming your way, I'm with you. They're going to tell you, I'm up here, I'm rooting for you. And that's what mom was telling Joe. We're praying for you. She told Joe all the people in the church that was asking about him. She told about the people in church that were praying for him and what was going on. They were, all that love was right there. And then at the same time, like the Father. The Father's in heaven every day. And he's saying, is Katie going to call home today? I hope Katie talks to me today. Oh, please, let Katie talk to me today. Looking back there, and he said, Chuck and Heidi is believing me for some things. Oh, I hope Chuck and Heidi talk to me today. Chuck and Heidi, please look up and talk to me today. And I know they do. But I'm telling you that the Bible equates the love of God with the parents' love. Parents long to hear from their children. And you know what? 
Just like Joe or some other uh, military person would say, well, I'm not much of a writer. Your parents don't care if you spell things right or if you get all your English right, if how you, how you do things. All they want to see is something from you. God don't care if you're a professional prayer. All he wants to hear is, good morning, Heavenly Father. Thank you, I woke up today and I'm not sick. Thank you, Heavenly Father. When I go to my job today, you're going to help me to love people even if they don't love me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm not making as much as I want yet, but I want to thank you that you're going to help me do my job the best of my ability, Jesus. You're going to cause my employers to look at me and see what I'm doing. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me. That's all he wants. He wants to hear from you. Jesus said you enter into your prayer closet and pray to your Father in secret. You know, you can be sitting in the boss's office, getting commended or getting chewed out, and under your breath you can sit there with a smile on your face, unless they tell you don't smile, then you have a straight face. <laughs> and you can talk to heaven right from where you're sitting at, right there. You don't have to be in the church. You have to be at home on your knees at your little place of prayer at home. You can sit right there in the boss's office. You can talk to heaven. And I'll tell you something I know by experience. I'll never have another one again when the policeman's got those red lights on because you missed something. Had <laughs> that policeman walked up to your car, you can talk to heaven real quick and say, Jesus, help. <laughs> and maybe mercy comes or maybe mercy doesn't. It depends on how, how many times you use that mercy prayer on that one. <laughs> But uh, in prayer, I heard a preacher made a statement years ago that's always stuck with me. And the reason I give these examples of saying this, because the devil wants to beat Christians on the head that they can't pray good. Or they don't pray enough. Well, there was a real, real, real famous worldwide preacher that somebody asked him. They thought, thought boy, this guy must spend hours and hours and hours praying. They said, how long do you pray? And the guy stopped and he thought and said, I don't think I've ever prayed over 15 minutes. But I've never went 15 minutes without praying. And so in other words, it's not the eloquence. It's the connection. Just being able just to stay communicating with the Father all the time. Talking to Jesus all the time. You're just hooked up. And then when, when, something, go, when something happens where you need Him on a mercy basis, Jesus said, I know my sheep. My sheep know me. They know my voice. They follow me. And so I know that sometimes as a pastor, as a pastor, I'm, I'm an under-shepherd for Jesus. I have a lot of people that come to church, and sometimes if I don't see somebody for a year, and they walk in, they say, hi, pastor, then I have to think, man, 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 I know they look for me. Look for me. Who are they? Who, are they? Who, who is this person? I don't know them. I haven't heard from them. I haven't seen them. Who are they? I think they look vaguely familiar. Well, of course, we know God always knows who you are. But if you get that connection shut off, I don't want him to have to think, who is this? I know them. I think, they, I think they used to talk to me. You know, we want to talk to him all the time, good times, bad times, whether we feel like at times or don't feel like at times. It's just having a conversation, just fellowship with the Father on a regular basis to where it just comes as natural as breathing. Amen. And so, and so we, want, we want to keep those letters coming. And we want to keep reading the letters. Does that help anybody? Amen. We want to keep reading the letters. And look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. 
verse 1. And you know, in thinking about this, uh, when, when I wrote this sermon out, I was thinking about Christians, about young Christians, new Christians, and even old Christians get rusty. Prayer is one of our most powerful tools, one of our most powerful weapons. We need the Word of God, and we need to pray effectively. And so prayer should be easy for a born-again believer. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1, says, And it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so I think about what would make them ask that question. They must have seen something in Jesus' prayer life that was different than other people praying to say, Lord, teach me to pray. Tell you what, I've been around religious preachers, and I've seen religious preachers. Just between a religious preacher and a preacher that walks with Jesus. But religious preachers have all kinds of eloquence. They have pre-written things written out just to razzle and dazzle people that are listening. And so they're not really talking to God. They're talking for you to hear them, what awesome prayers they are. And then I've seen other preachers that they prayed something, and when they prayed, I felt the presence of God come into the room. I saw people start weeping under the power of God and get their lives transformed and changed just because of that prayer. And that's the man, that's the woman I want to say, teach me to pray. I want to be able to have that. Actually, what it is, it's a connection with God. And so it's not so much the prayer they're praying in public, it's the walk they've already had in private, what they've already prayed in private before they showed up in public. Amen. But I think about what the disciples said. They said, teach us to pray. And so all of us want to learn to be better prayers. So the best person I know teaches how to pray and be effective is Jesus. He's the best person I know to teach us how to be effective in prayers. And, uh, you know, I, I want to say it again. I can see Jesus praying in front of the disciples. And some of the prayers we saw Jesus pray, like how many are familiar with this, the example in book of John when Lazarus died and Jesus showed up and Lazarus was dead and buried and then Jesus looked up to heaven and if you remember the words he said this Father I want to thank you you heard me when I prayed he prayed three days before he got there and he made the statement Lazarus is not going to stay dead he said it's not a sickness and a death but on the contrary it's going to turn out for the glory of God he had the words out there he said Father I want to thank you you heard me when I pray." And you always hear me when I pray. Because Jesus, although he was the Son of God, he was the Son of Man. He was all God. He was all man. He was on assignment from heaven. And when he went to Lazarus, that was one of his assignments on earth. That was one of his missions on that time to get Lazarus back. And so the whole thing was, he had to stay in contact with home. He said, Father, I'm just talking to you again. He said that every few minutes, I'm sure. Say, hey, I'm just checking in to tell you, is there any other way? Okay, that's what I'll do. And he told his disciples continually things like this. I only do what I see my father do. He said, I only say what I hear him say. He said, I'm down here to fulfill the will of my father. He said, I will finish the work he gave me. And I'm telling you, every one of us has an assignment from heaven. And somebody said, I don't, know my, I don't know my assignment. Well, maybe you're not talking to heaven enough, letting heaven talk to you enough. Amen. I think about 1 John 4, 4. Jesus said to John that greater is he 
that's in me than he that's in the world. In John chapter 10, Jesus is the one that said, My sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. He said, My sheep flee from the voice of a stranger. And so for me, that's always said to me, that if I really am Jesus' sheep, I'm going to know what to do. You know, I know some people use this expression because it's kind of cute, this one they use today. I don't have a clue. Well, whenever I hear that expression, I don't have a clue, you know what I always say? I just got to say to myself, I've got a clue. I'm a believer. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I've got my mind renewed to the Word of God. I've always got a clue. I'm always going to know what to do no matter what comes my way. I'm always going to know because I've got the mind of Christ. Amen. I know the voice of the Good Shepherd. And so there's nothing, nothing, nothing going to catch me off guard where I don't know what to do to get through it. Amen. There may be some things that I never saw that coming. But when I listen to what's in here, he saw it coming. And I'm going to see what to do to get out of it. Because you know why? I'm not going to go 15 minutes without praying. I'm going to stay in contact with heaven all the time. And it's not always that formal thing, getting down on the knees and said, I come to thee, most holy Father, in the name of thou, Son. It's coming up the altar here, worshiping God. Jesus, is there any other examples? You want me to give the people today anything I can do to make this clear? And then I see her writing a letter at the table. I see her going to the mailbox listening to that letter. I thought, wow, that's good. They can identify with that. And all that was was a simple talk with Jesus. Jesus. What do you want to say? How do you want to say it? Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. Amen. And so the best person to teach us how to pray is Jesus. Now look at Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I hope you have a Bible because I noticed that didn't get put on the overhead. It's in my notes. It's not on the notes. There might be on the overhead. Is that on the overhead? Good. It's not on your paper. But anyway, Luke 18, verse 1 says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought sometimes to pray. Men, men every once in a while ought to think about it. When are we supposed to be praying? And not to what? Not to faint. Not to give up. Not to cause ourselves, if we don't get a feeling, to say, Oh, well, this isn't working. For a born-again Christian praying is to be a part of our everyday life. We can't just go by a good feeling. You know, a good majority of the time when I pray, I don't get a good feeling. Because I'm a man of faith. I'm a believer of faith. I know that when Jesus told me that I asked the Father anything in His name, He'll do it. I know when I come to the Father in the name of Jesus, whether I feel like it or not, I know I've made my connection with heaven. It's not like the U.S. mail. It's not like the Internet. It's not going to go out. The devil could do nothing to stop my communication with heaven. When I pray to Father in the name of Jesus, I don't have to faint if I don't feel anything. If it looks like it's getting darker, I'm going to start saying what the Word of God says about the situation. Amen? And so feelings don't have to be a part of your prayer life. When you've got God's Word in your heart and in your mind, I want to say it again. When you've got God's Word in your heart and in your mind, that's all the feeling you need. You need to know, Father, your word says. Father, your word says love never fails. Your word says my faith works by love. Your word says I forgive and I'm forgiven. Your word says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Your word says 
etc., etc. Whatever it is the Word of God says, when you're praying and you talk to Him about what His Word says, if you don't feel anything, then just close your eyes some more and just raise your hand and just start saying, Jesus, I want to love you. And whether, whether I feel like it or not, your word says, if I believe in my heart, confess my mouth that you're Lord, I'm born again. I want to thank you, Jesus. Your word says, there's mansions in heaven, and I've got one of them. Your word says, there's streets of gold, and I'm going to walk on them someday. Your word says that anybody that dies of the Lord, they go to heaven. So my loved ones are in heaven. Oh, Jesus, tell Grandma I said hi. Jesus, tell my dad I said hi. I do that sometimes. I think about people out there. We can't talk to the dead, but Jesus in heaven is communicating with them all the time. So we're talking to the Father. He can say, hey, your son down there is doing okay. He's still preaching. He's still doing good. He's doing what I told him to do. And I'll tell you what, by the time you communicate, communicate with heaven like that, you're going to start getting some feeling then. Something's going to start changing. You're going to start sensing something in your life because this is more real than anything this whole world's communication with heaven. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, that one day, heaven and earth is going to pass away. That's all about the heavens around us or atmosphere of the earth. Things are going to change down here. We said, by words, they'll never pass away. And so the thing is, no matter what goes on around us, no matter what generation we are in life, no matter if we're at the top, top of the rung where we're going to be going to heaven sooner than others, or we're at the bottom just getting started, the Word of God hasn't changed in all these thousands of years since it's been written. The Word of God is still true. It's still connected with God. If we're hooked up with God and talk His Word to Him, there's going to be things change around us this life because the Word of God is the most powerful thing we have. Amen? And so anyway, Jesus said we should never give up. And so Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, we know that Jesus, when He's being tempted of the devil, He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so we know that we need the Word of God in our prayer life. We need the Word of God in our spiritual life. And I think about the Word of God. I think about praying. I think about the Word. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone. That's food. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so he's equating God's Word as spiritual food to our spirit, man, for our spirit to be strong. And so we can understand. You know, let me just ask. You know, I'll just ask, but don't raise your hand. How many here have eaten any kind of food at all in the last couple of weeks. Okay, have you eaten more food than you've read more Bible verses? How many here left your lunch late on the counter and didn't take lunch for a month to work? How many here decided that I'm too busy to eat breakfast today? Well, I'm too busy to eat lunch today. I'm too busy to have supper today. You know what, after about four or five days, unless you're on some kind of supernatural fast where God's giving you strength, people are going to look at you and they're going to say, there's something wrong with you. You don't look well. You look like you feel good. You act like you can't hold your head up. You're kind of stumbling around. You act, you're acting faint. What's going on? And you stop thinking, oh, I forgot to eat this week. I probably better eat some food. And you start eating, start getting the food back into your body. You're going to pep up again. Well, you know, it's the same thing with Christians. Christians that don't read their Bibles, they're the ones that always say when you talk to them, pray for me, hon, pray for me, hon. Oh, hey, pray for me, pray for me. 
because they're spiritually weak, because they have no strength, because they neglected the Word of God into their heart. But the ones that eat the Word of God regularly, the ones that feed the spirits regularly, they're the ones that say, can I pray for you, hun? Can I pray for you, hun? They're the ones that want to do the praying because they got some strength. And, you know, I think about the Marines again. <laughs> some of these stories that Joe's told me and things like that there. I think about the Marines. These guys do push-ups. They do chin-ups. They run. And Evan was telling me about this uh, little food pack thing they eat there. He said, that thing's little, but it's got 2,000 calories in it, man. They get, they get super strength, that little bit of food they eat there, because what they eat is powerful and puts nutrition in them. And I think about the Bible. That's why it's so good for us individually to be hooked up with the Holy Spirit to show us where our nutrition is. He might have me studying certain epistles from my own private life where I need to be. He might have you in some Old Testament Psalms or the book of Isaiah to speak to you or some of the Gospels to speak to you. He knows where the nourishment is you need for your life. He knows where the correction is you need. How many know that we need corrected sometimes? We need to make corrections in life. He knows where the correction you is you need so you can get direction. I want to say that again, correction, get direction. I was, over in, I was over in Kiev, Ukraine one time, and I was ministering to pastors and leaders from several of the Balkan countries over there, several, several of the nations over there at a place I was at. I was on my knees one morning praying before I went down to the conference to minister, and the Lord said, tell them this today. Tell them if they want to receive direction, they must first receive correction. Well, think about an airplane pilot. If an airplane, if a pilot's flying an airplane, we got the guy back here who knows about airplanes, uh, sometimes you have to tell the guys, hey, you guys are off course, you need to get over here. They want some direction, but they got to receive correction so they can be headed in the right direction. You know, uh, until they make a correction, they don't need the direction. They got to get turned around so they go in the right direction. Christians, too many times, aren't willing to receive the correction to get going in the right direction. And in our prayer closet, our Father wants to tell us what to do to get it turned around. Amen. And so the Word of God, now get this, the Word of God is to our spirit what food is to our physical body. And prayer to our spirit is what breathing is to our physical body. You need to eat to live. You need to breathe to live. You can't just be a good breather and never eat. You're not going to make it. And you can't just be a good eater and never breathe. No matter how good you're eating, if you quit breathing, you're gone. And so in our prayer life, not only do we need to pray, but we need to eat. And not only do we need to feed on the Word of God, but we need to pray. And so we've got to have that connection. We've got to be able to feed, and we've got to be able to, to pray. We've got to be able to do both. Amen. Does that help you? And so we need both of them if we're going to have a spiritual, healthy prayer life. And, you know, I think about praying. Jesus taught so much on prayer, we're just barely touching, touching a little bit of it today. But I think about praying when he said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. And when he said, we go into our prayer calls where we are, praying should come as easy and as natural to a believer as swimming is to a fish. Those women, a fish in water, what's it going to do? 
Thought I'd go thank you. Just go start swimming. A bird. Prayer should be as easy to us as flight is to a bird. You get a hold of a bird, let it out of the cage. What's it going to do? It's not going to swim. It's going to take off flying. Birds fly. Christians, no matter what situation you put them in, first thing ought to be is pray. You know, I've, I've, I've had lots of, lots of different believers come to me over the years wanting help about something they're going through, wanting me to tell them what to do. And you'd be surprised how many times I said, well, have you prayed about it? And they go, I didn't think about that. I think, wow, your Christian walk is very shallow. You should have prayed before you ever come in to see me because I can tell you some things, but Jesus can tell you the right things quick when you need them wherever you are. And so we ought to, we ought to be so prone to prayer and talk with the Lord that at the first sign of anything going on, we'll be like a first responder. You know, I'm thinking about those military things again, about the farmer and the policeman, things like that. I know that Joe was telling me some of the Marine training they do, that these guys are trained every step they do with how they sleep with that gun, how they hold that gun, how they take it apart and put it together, and all those different little things they do and in situations they come to. And that's the same way with people that are, that are medics, paramedics, Firemen, policemen, first responders, they are trained, they are schooled, no matter what situation comes up against, they don't think, they just do, because they're in responder mode. We as believers should be trained, first response, what do we do? Well, first thing we don't do is call 911. As you're running to call 911, you're praying when you go to call 911. You hear what I've said? We as Christians, at the first sign of attack, don't go to Facebook. We go to Jesus. We go to the Father. We have to get this in does that Jesus said. You ought always to pray and not to faint. We're, we're trained as first responders. I know that Mrs. Pastor and I trained ourselves years ago that whenever we hear a siren, we start praying. We just trained ourselves that way 30-some years ago. See an ambulance, see a fire truck. We just hold our hand that way and say, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We release the door to God. Whatever's going on, Lord, we want to thank you for you being there and helping these people get the help they need. Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name from death and all those kind of things. And the times we live in now, we pray for the policeman's safety too. We pray for the safety of other people. Why is that? We are trained as first responders in the spiritual arena for the world around us. We're trained. And so you need to be trained. That pray, praying ought to be that easy to you that the first thing you think about, whatever something happens, is it just comes out of your mouth. You don't have to think about it. You're just in prayer mode. Somebody said, well, I don't know how anybody ever do that. Well, be like the man said. You don't, you don't ever have to pray over 15 minutes, but don't go 15 minutes without praying. Stay connected. Stay hooked up. Amen? Amen. And so anyway... Uh, I, I want to look at an area now that this prayer leads to in our lives that will really be effective and help us to stay effective of what God's called us to do in life. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Because you, you become a good, a, a good soldier for Jesus. You become a good warrior for Jesus in the prayer arena, 
in the soul winning arena, whatever uh, he called you to do, you've got an enemy out there. And, you know, I know that in, in uh, modern times, how many hate political correctness? Political correctness. That's denying things for political convenience. Well, in modern times, it's real popular to deny there's a war going on around the world right now, and America's a part of it. Well, you can't deny the existence of an enemy and defeat an enemy. And just because you acknowledge there's an enemy doesn't mean you're giving in to the enemy. You mean you're acknowledging we got an enemy. Well, the Bible tells us about our warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, principalities, and rules of darkness of this world, etc. We have an enemy. Luke ten nineteen, Jesus said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. We've got an enemy. First Corinthians chapter 10 talks about casting down thoughts and imaginations. Every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There's things in this spiritual arena that Satan has out there, demon spirits and things that are assigned to you, that are assigned to me to try to stop us. If we don't know how to deal with these things, we're not going to be effective. You know, you can't go around saying, there's no devil, there's no devil, there's no devil. I think that's going to give you victory. But at the same time, you can't look under every bush and say, there's the devil, there's the devil, there's the devil. He's sly. He's cunning. He sneaks up on believers that aren't trained in spiritual warfare as able to take them out like a sniper, able to hit them, knock them backwards, knock them down, knock them out. And that's his target. You know, like in a, in a, in a service like this morning, we're teaching on prayer. And so Jesus told us in Mark chapter 4, Whatever the word of God is taught, Satan cometh immediately, still the word of the sown. And so we're teaching on prayer, so I guess I might as well uh, forewarned as forearmed. You are going to be hit this week in your prayer closet. You're going to be hit this week in ways to try to pull you out so you won't be an effective prayer. Why is that? He wants to take you out if you're being effective against his kingdom. He doesn't want you to be a good prayer because when you pray and break the power of the devil over your loved one's lives, they're open to get saved. When you pray for healing to get people healed, they're going to, give, they're going to live longer and be able to be effective for the kingdom of God. When you're able to pray about finances and get money, things turned around in your life and your loved one's lives, they're going to have money for the gospel to do things that God wants them to do. And so the best thing to do is if you're a demon spirit, be like a sniper and look around and say, there's Bill. He's really getting active right now. I'm going to set my sights on Bill this week. His wife's not here to take care of him. I'm going to take care of Bill and to go to sniping Bill. But then Bill is on alert. He holds up the shield of faith. Quench every, quench every fire dart of the wicked one. And he says, Satan, James 4, 7 says, I submit myself to God. I resist you. You have to flee from me. Father, I've submitted you. I resist you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Get out of here. You're not taking me out. I'm going to stay there and do what God called me to do. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. That's how this works. That's how this works. And so I'm going to show you one of Satan's tactics to try to throw, to try to pull powerful believers and, and any believer off course. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, we can train ourselves to live like this in the spiritual arena. For the word of God is quick. That means it's alive 
at its powerful. It's full of power. The Word of God's alive and full of power. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divide asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow as discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God will help judge your heart. Sometimes our outward actions don't necessarily match what's really in our heart, but God knows. God knows what we're purposing to do. And sometimes we get pulled off course and don't do what's really in our heart to do. And then he says in verse 13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest or any creature that is not visible in his sight, but all things are all people are naked and open to the eyes of whom, with whom we have to do, or with whom we must give account. This has always been one of my favorite passages that helped me make it through the challenges of life. I want to say that again. If you're being challenged in life through some things right now, you need to look at verses like this. So I've been one of my favorite passages. God's Word is the only way you can really know what's in your heart. God's Word will expose what's in you and help you to change. So Jesus knows who we are and what's really in our heart. We've got to have this verses like this in our first responders kit. In our first responders kit. We've got to have things like this in our heart. And I know that for me, one time several years ago, we went through a really, really, really challenging time that lasted probably at least three years. Challenged, tough, and all I could say as I prayed the Word of God I do, I said, Jesus, I'm so glad to know that you know what's going on right now down here on earth. And Lord, I'm so glad that you know. And Lord, I've done all I know to do, and I can't do anything else, but I know you can. And so Lord, I want to thank you that you're working for us right now. You're changing things right now. Things are turning. Things are changing. And Jesus, you know, we've made adjustments we need to make in life. We've done things we need to do in life to please you. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that your word says all things are naked open in your eyes. You see what all's going on. And we can't do anything about it, but you can, Jesus. I want to thank you, Jesus. You're changing this. You're doing that. Hallelujah. It took a season, but praise God, things turned. Praise God, things turned. My dear, what Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. You pray whether it looks like anything's happening or not. I think about the book of Daniel. And in one of Daniel's prayers, Daniel was in a serious time of prayer. And it says, Michael, the archangel, showed up and said, Daniel said, I want you to know that 21 days ago, the first day that you prayed, said, God sent me to answer your prayer. But I was in warfare. The heavens tried to get here. There was such a presence of darkness around you because you're such a powerful man of God. It took me 21 days to get here. But Daniel stayed in prayer for 21 days. And at the end of 21 days, he said, I'm here to answer you. And I want to tell you. It's going to change now. And so we as believers have to know, especially sometimes if things involve other people that are dense in hearing from God. If other people involve sometimes, then you have to have situation change. When you're praying, God's moving. Angels are working. The Holy Spirit's working. But there's things that have to get out of the way sometimes the spiritual reason that you can't see. 
That's why we stay praying. That's why we know the Word of God's alive. It is full of power. When the Word of God's working and God's moving, there's demons that are scattered. There's things that are taking place. But sometimes it takes a little while for things to change. That's why we as Christians, we can't be wimps. Somebody said, well, what's a wimp? That's somebody cries easy and gives up easy. We can cry. And we can know sometimes we may lose a battle. But we're not in it for one battle. We're in it for the war. Amen. There may be some things that didn't go right this time. But Galatians 6, 9 says, In due season you will reap if you faint not. Galatians 6, 9. You need to write that down. In due season, in due season, in due season... God would not put a due season in there if your due season wasn't coming. It says in due season you will reap if you faint not. That means if you don't give up. And you won't be, won't be, I'll just give you a little help for that. I know that, you know that we have other Marines in here too and military people and things like that. But the thing is, you get back to your command. You get back to your people like that, man. All of a sudden something pumps you up when you see all those other uniforms. You see those other people around you, you get back in that atmosphere, man, you get fired up again. Every time you come through the church doors, if you're feeling weak, you're feeling out of it, you've been out there all week long, and you felt like, man, this battle's about to get me down, you walk through the doors of your church, you see those fellow soldiers, you see those fellow men and women of the Lord, you see your commanding officers, and they're up there, and they're encouraging you on, cheering you on, all of a sudden... Your arms start coming up. You want to raise your arms up and praise the Lord at home, but you couldn't get them up. You come in here, all of a sudden, your arms are starting to come up. You're starting to do cadence with your mouth. Man, there's something coming out of you. There's something starting to get on you, gets in you, because you showed up to where it was at. Amen? And so we have to know that we as Christians in God's army have things that are really, they're just standing orders. You always show up. Amen. And, and, and you know the honor codes. You know, you love, you give, you serve, you worship. There's things we do. Amen. So anyway, he says right here that Jesus knows what's in our heart. And so we've got our health set. We've got to train ourselves in how to respond under fire. Amen. He says, Jesus knows our heart. We've got to know how to respond when under fire. And Ephesians chapter 6 says, we hold up the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts. All the fiery darts of the enemy. And so then in verse 14 and verse 15, says, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Jesus isn't Jesus was, it's Jesus is. We have, we didn't have, we now have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So we can hold fast our profession or hold fast our confession. We can hold fast to saying what Jesus says about us. We can hold fast to saying what the Word of God says because it's alive and full of power. Because we have a high priest, Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, the high priest of our confession of the heavens. Verse 15, I like what my pastor said to me years ago when he taught this. Sometimes King James has double negatives in it, 
that throw you off. And so sometimes you have to look past the double negative. So this here says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. Just take those two knots out. That tells you what he's saying. For we have a high priest which can be touched. Listen to this. For we have a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our inability to get results. Our high priest Jesus is in heaven. He can be touched with our infirmities because Jesus was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Somebody say hallelujah. Jesus was at all points tempted, just like you are, without sin. Jesus knows that you and me aren't perfect. He knows the troubles and the trials we face in life trying to live right for Him. He knows the temptations of the 21st century. He knows the looseness in the society. He knows all the goofy laws and things that have been happened to make sin legal now. In so many areas it didn't used to be. Jesus knows about all those things. Satan hits our mind and tries to get us to live in our old way, in our old ways of the flesh of getting high again. Of sexual sin, cussing, foul temper, lying, cheating, trying to con people. If you were a con before, then Satan's going to try to tempt you to be at a con again, try to lie to people, get something from them, try to play the games, whatever it is. It says Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted to sin and do wrong in everywhere that we are. You know, I want you to stop because Jesus, this is the purpose of what he wants to help you this prayer reading today. No matter who you are, no matter what you're facing in life, the Word of God's alive right now this morning. Just get a picture of this. You're in God's military. You're down here on earth right now and you're on assignment. You just opened up a letter from heaven, a letter from home. So oh good, I got a letter from Dad. Left my heavenly father. My heavenly father said that Jesus was tempted. Just like what I'm going through right now. Jesus knows what it's like to be on this job with those things that's going on. Jesus knows what it's like to live in this city where they're allowing those things. Jesus knows what it's like that all these other Christians I work with they're hearing wrong things. They're believing wrong things. They're not listening to the Bible. They're listening to the news. They're not listening to the Bible. They're listening to politicians. They're not listening to the Bible. They're listening to the watered-down preachers that are saying it's okay to sin. Jesus knows that. Says he was tempted at all like points like as we are yet without sin. Said Jesus was tempted to do what the devil's telling you it's okay to do. He passed the test. He didn't do it. How many here, and you don't have to raise your hands. I'd say that just a question for six times. How many here think you can get to heaven just because you're good? You can't. We get to heaven because Jesus was good. We get to heaven because we receive the benefits of his sacrifice. He lived sinless. He died on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. And we say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You died for my sins. Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart. 
And because of what you did, Jesus, I know I'm saved. Well, Jesus prayed many times, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The reason that the will of God is done in heaven is because there's no resistance in heaven. The reason the will of God has such a hard time coming to pass in your life because there's much resistance. The devil throws up resistance and barriers to try to stop God's will from being done in your life. Your flesh gets in the way to hinder you from receiving God's will in your life. That's why we know that Jesus was tempted when he lived in that flesh body to yield to those things all around him. Somebody said, that's hard to believe. Well, that's why the gospel is called the gospel. It's good news. It's too good to believe through the natural mind that Jesus could be tempted to mess with pornography. Jesus could be tempted to get high. Jesus could be tempted to unload a volley at somebody he didn't like. Jesus could be tempted to steal when he was hungry. Jesus could be tempted to lie to his boss. Well, how could that be? Because God said right here that Jesus was tempted. See, now listen, here's something the Christians, I don't think, have an understanding of sometimes. It's not a sin to be tempted, because Jesus was tempted and he never sinned. Temptation becomes sin when you give in to the temptation. Jesus was tempted, he never gave in, so he never sinned. We're tempted every day, but we don't sin all along every day. The second we yield to what we're tempted with, then we cross the line and become sin. But we are tempted, and that's why we say all the time, Jesus, help me. Satan, I bind you. Satan, I rebuke you. Oh, Father, help me. You know what I'm thinking. You know what's going on. Lord, you know how I'm being drawn that way. You know I don't want to do that. Oh, help me, Jesus. And that's why I said Jesus was tempted in every way you're tempted. And so, you know, I don't know everybody in here. But Jesus knows everybody in here. And in your life, whatever it is, if you're being tempted to backslide, walk away from God at this point in time, Jesus knows that. If you're being tempted to quit your job right now because of pressure on your job, Jesus knows that. If you're being tempted to get into a sexual relationship that's not a marriage relationship, with a man or one man, one woman that the Bible teaches relationship. You're being tempted in that area there. Jesus knows that. The Bible says he was tempted all these ways, yet without sin. Isn't that wonderful to know that Jesus never sinned? He passed every test. He passed every test. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so then verse 16 tells us then, because we're in him, And he's in us, and he passed the test. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. There's a real place in the spirit, in the heavenlies, called the throne of grace. Because the Bible says so. We come confidently to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we live a lifestyle of fellowship with Jesus in his word and prayer... It becomes easy to come to him in prayer if we sin and fall for Satan's traps. It becomes easy to come to him. We don't run from him. We run to him. There's a very real place called the throne of grace. 
The throne of grace is the place where all born-again believers are to go in prayer where they get in trouble because of sin and failure. If you don't get anything else today, get this one statement and this closing we're making right now. The throne of grace is the very place that you're supposed to run to if you've got into sin. If you're in trouble and you feel like a loser, you feel like a failure, you feel like, what's the use of staying with it? I can't do it. God said right here, Jesus passed that test for you, sir. Jesus passed that test for you, ma'am. He says, come to his throne of grace. And then he says two things you're to ask for. In this time of need, if you give it in to things, you got knocked down. Number one, ask for mercy. He says to obtain mercy. God would not ask you, tell you to ask for something if you wouldn't plan on giving to you. Remember Jesus said your father knows what you have need of? He said before you ask, that means ask. It says right here, ask. God has it, but there's always the man part and the God part. It takes faith to ask for something from God when you feel like a loser. When you feel like a worm, when you feel like you've totally blown it and God can't even help you, it takes faith to say, Jesus, I need mercy. And so mercy, I like this definition I've heard in this context here, means not getting what we deserve because of sin and failure. Mercy means not getting what you deserve. We deserve judgment when we miss it. We deserve judgment when we've absolutely, absolutely blown it in God's face. But he says we can ask for mercy so we don't get what we deserve. And then he says, second thing, ask for is grace. We need mercy and we need grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. That's another chance to start over and get it right. How many are grateful for another chance to start over and get it right? Amen. Mercy and grace. God said, ask for mercy. Ask for grace if you've missed it. Now, I want to leave one passage with you. It's not on there. I threw this in as an afterthought. And I want you to put this in your first responders kit. Lamentations, which are at the book of Jeremiah. If you can't open up and look at that, we'll close with this. Lamentations, chapter 3. I'm going to read this to you. Put this in your responder's kit and pull it out if you ever need it. Let this be a part of your first responder's prayer kit. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 21 to 26. The prophet said this, This I recall in my mind, therefore have I hope. How many know... That when sometimes you've seriously missed it, you've got to have hope. Hope precedes faith. Faith, hope, and love. The grace of these is love, but hope comes before faith. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know, sometimes I went through times, hard times, I said, Lord, it's another morning. It's another mercy. Thank you for new mercies today, Lord. I want to thank you, Jesus. I'm still standing. I'm not consumed because of your mercies. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, 
to the soul that seeketh him, is a good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I want to tell you, prayer can be easy for you. Just determine today that you're just going to start talking with God, talking with Jesus. You're not going to be concerned about the professional prayers. You're just going to act like you're talking to mom, you're talking to dad. I just like you're talking like you're talking to a relative, somebody that loves you because he does, somebody that cares about you, somebody that knows you. After you leave here today, look up and say, Jesus, I want to thank you that my pastor taught some things today from your word I needed to hear. And he warned me that you said Satan's going to come and meet to try to steal this from me. And so I just want to thank you, Jesus. Right now in advance, I'm asking you for help to show me what to do to recognize things that come my way. And then just boldly point your finger to the spiritual reader and say, Satan, I bind you by the blood of Jesus. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Satan, you're not going to come and steal my prayer life. You're not going to touch my family. You're not going to mess with my job. I rebuke you by the blood of Jesus. And they just say, thank you, Jesus. I've got grace and I've got mercy to finish my race. I'm going to do everything you call me to do because you're good, Jesus. And I'm in you and you're in me and we win. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank <clears throat> you.